Good morning. shared that with me this weekend. Anybody know Ben McDonald? Ben comes in here. Jason says he does a great imitation of me. I haven't met Ben, but if you'll see him when he comes in one day, please have him come up. I'd like for him to do the introduction. If he's that good, from what I hear, I can just, I can just sit down. Don't have to do anything. <clears throat> the journey. The series we're in. We are in the journey. This past weekend, they had a leadership meeting of alumni at Deer Camp. If you're an alumni, you're invited to the leadership weekend held once a year in February. Trey Lovern was there. He was a guest speaker. Trey's from Franklin, Tennessee. Was with us on the men's adventure trip in Oregon on the Rogue River. He shared his story, shared some of his successes, shared his failures, and also encouraged us. You know, I heard Roan say one time something that was smart. It was one time, it was something smart. He referenced another man. It wasn't Roan that it was speaking, but he referenced another man. And he said, now what he shared, that's, that's a golden nugget. That's a golden nugget. That's one you need to hang on to. Trey shared several of those with us this weekend. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share them with you. Shame. A deep, fundamental belief that I am flawed. How many of us carry that every day? That I am flawed not being aware that I am a child of God, that I'm flawed. It's a lie from the enemy. It's not what God tells us. It's not what scripture tells us. Masculinity is bestowed. As men, who do we have as a mentor? Who bestowed masculinity on us? Our dad, in some cases, in some cases, the, uh, the wolf, yeah, the wolf pack. In some cases, it was multiple father figures. <laughs> I will say that I have been fathered by my own two sons. And the trap that I fall into, that I think we all fall into on occasions, is when we look for that masculinity piece to be rubbed or built up from our wives or from a woman. It just doesn't work that way. They can't do that. So who are you mentoring in your life? That's a challenge for us. The world needs it desperately. And as we wrapped up the weekend, 
we realized we had been in a sacred place as Ebenezer is, filled with the Holy Spirit, protected there. Trey reminded us, we're leaving here and re-engaging in the battle. We will be shot up. We will be injured. We must regather to remind ourselves and remind each other whose we are. That's the journey. That's what we're on. I'm glad you're here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we bow our knees before you. Lord, I thank you so much for my brothers, for those on this journey with me. Lord, may we support each other. May we support the men in our community. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. All right, gentlemen, this, this is um, testing my athletic ability. Do I still have the hands that I always had? Uh, so we're doing a handheld mic this morning. And uh, guys, um, I want you to give a round of applause for Jeff Cook. This wouldn't be happening without Jeff Cook this morning. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Stout and Jeff Cook, uh, Jeff Squared. Uh, we, we appreciate you guys for going the extra effort to make it happen. So we appreciate C Spire for letting us continue to meet even in the middle of the construction zone and uh, improvement. So we'll hopefully be back downstairs uh, next week, Jeff. Is that the plan? Good. Good, good, good. Joe, uh, thank you so much for mentioning uh, our leadership weekend. Uh, we had deer camp uh, the last weekend in January and then followed it up with uh, leadership weekend, back-to-back -back weekends at Ebenezer Place. Uh, my wife is starting to get used to me uh, being out of town on, on the weekend, and I'm, and I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. She's starting to get comfortable with that. Um, but again, you know, the um, future of uh, our men's coaching weekend and uh, Ebenezer Place uh, ministry looks bright. Um, so grateful for uh, so many of the guys, um, Jason Brown and um, Cadden Christie and young guys that some of you don't know uh, that are taking on more and more leadership. Uh, whether I'm uh, here or gone, uh, here for the next uh, 25 years or gone in the next 25 minutes, um, as um, several of the young guys said, uh, I want this to continue so that my sons will have this place to come to. And uh, that just rang in, in my ears as I drove back to Fairhope on Sunday and I'm very, very excited about uh, the vision uh, continuing uh, to be carried uh, with or without me. Um, gentlemen, I'm excited about this morning because this really is about a father-son uh, setting. Uh, so I want you to remember your fathers this morning, uh, and I want you to be mindful of your sons and your daughters uh, this morning. So whether you're a father to sons or a son to fathers, uh, that's what this is about this morning. Because Proverbs uh, is laid out um, in three distinct categories. The first nine chapters is really laid out like a father giving advice to his son. And then chapters 10 through 29 are the pithy one-liners or two-liners that we all know Proverbs to be. You know, much wisdom much direction, 
given in chapters 10 through 29. And then the last two chapters, 30 and 31, is Lady Wisdom calling us, um, calling us um, to be aware of our need for wisdom. So with that in mind, um, I want to offer you a song uh, that uh, most of you old guys uh, know this. Some of the young guys may have never heard of this. But uh, Cat Stevens changed his name to Yusuf um, and wrote a song called Father and Son. And powerful, powerful song. And I want you to, um, I stumbled onto this video. It's an animated video, but very powerful. Just watch I mean, we could cut the sound off and watch this video, and it would be powerful. So as you listen to the song, uh, note the video as well. Follow with me, and I want to read, uh, just uh, highlight um, part of the song to you. The words are on the back of your handout, of course. Father and son, it's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. And again, this is, this is a father... Uh, talking to a son. You're still young. That's your fault. <laughs> There's so much you have to know. Find a girl, settle down. If you want to, you can get married. Look at me, I'm old, but I'm happy. I was once like you are now. And I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot. Why? Think of everything you've got, for you still, for you will still be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. Powerful. How can I try to explain? Because when I do, he turns away again. Again, as we often say, you know, 19-year-olds don't listen to daddies. You know, teenagers don't listen to daddies. And he says, you know, the young guy just turns away. And you'll see this in the video. It's always been the same, the same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. And now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. And this is the boy thinking that, I, that I've got to do the heroic journey or the masculine journey. Every man has to find his own way. But we want the Father's voice. We need the Father's voice. Jump all the way down to the last section. All the times that I cried, decision, 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 keeping all the things I knew inside. It's hard. Why must? But it's harder to ignore it. You go and make this decision. If they were right, I'd agree, alone. But it's them, they know not me. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. And there's the struggle of the masculine journey the struggle of the son. Should I listen to dad or should I discount dad? Guys, I, I'm telling you, this morning, um, I, I feel so much emotion rumbling in me because of the many, many people, fathers and sons that I've sat with through the years. I've got a Rolodex of uh, visions going through my head this morning of, of the uh, um, alienation, the separation, the dysfunction, and the brokenness between fathers and sons and daughters. Uh, and I felt this pain in my own life. So uh, listen up. 
May you hear the voice of God through this song, Father and Son, by Cat Stevens.
Testament. That uh, song, uh, that whole idea um, of a father sitting with son or daughter, uh, I'm a, the father of two daughters, sitting, um, reminiscing, remembering, and ushering them into adulthood. Um, I wish I could sit uh, with both my daughters um, this morning. Um, that song um, uh, strikes me um, this morning. But you know, this whole series about wisdom is the invitation to be fathered, uh, to be fathered uh, by wisdom. Um, and as we continue to go through this series, keep in mind that wisdom and Jesus are synonyms. It's not like that we're talking about wisdom as something to get apart from Jesus. It are Jesus. It are Jesus. Jesus and wisdom are synonyms. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Proverbs 1, 5. We need help to make decisions about work, all relationships in speech and conduct, who to trust or avoid, along with being measured by the plumb line of true character. Wisdom from Proverbs offers insight into the concrete experiences of human life that help us take charge of our lives. Take charge of our lives. The creation mandate, does everybody know what the creation mandate is, by the way? Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is a, is a powerful passage to where Jesus, God is saying in a paraphrase, let us create God in our own image. And then he creates man in the image of God, image of himself, the Trinity. And then he says, now go uh, rule, subdue, and have dominion over all the earth. And that's known as the creation mandate. And the creation mandate is the uh, charge to take charge. It's a charge for all of us. And we need to understand that that's what uh, 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 Proverbs wisdom is calling us into, to live out the creation mandate. Proverbs is about how to live out your faith in God. There is no true wisdom apart from Jesus. Wisdom and Jesus, Jesus and wisdom, heads and tails of the same coin. Fools are those who rely on their own knowledge to navigate life. I don't need wisdom. I don't need Jesus. And uh, the Bible calls that a fool. In this study, we will look and listen to hear God's voice and see his son shining through the book of Proverbs. We'll be equipped in every way for our journey. So um, pick up your pen if you don't already have it in your hand. And I want you to do some journaling. We believe in journaling around here. So I have three questions. Um, and the, and um, the first question is not on your handout. 
it's implied in the three questions on your handout, but I want to invite you to consider another question. Question, what was the best advice or wisdom that you got from your dad? What was the best advice or wisdom that you remember getting from your dad? You know, I mean, you remember all those incredible intimate conversations where just you and dad sat down, right, right, Brian? I mean, I mean, you remember those, right? I mean, it brings a tear to your eye, does it not? Yeah, yeah. There's a book about that. Yeah, there's a book about that, that's right. We, we have that book uh, up at Ebenezer Place. Did we just lose the sound, Jeff? Um, so yeah, so um, consider that question. Write that down if anything comes to mind. Best advice that Papaw ever gave me, uh, I've told this story before, uh, I brought uh, Carla home before she and I were dating uh, to Tennessee. We were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ at Penn State, and I brought her home for Thanksgiving. I come home for Christmas. It's been about, you know, three or four weeks, and, and my dad, I, I can never remember my dad initiating a real conversation with me until then. And so he said, um, he said, Phil, I want to talk to you. And, and, and when he wanted to talk to me, he would say my name like I was a stranger. I could, it still rings him out, Phil. It's like, okay, Phil, okay. I'm right here, Dad. I'm right here. But he just said it in kind of a creepy kind of way. Phil. And, uh, and he said, uh, he said um, have you ever thought about getting married? And I'm thinking, Where is this coming from? You know, he, he's never asked me anything. You know, other than did you put gas in the car and did you put oil in that Volkswagen Beetle? And the answer to that was no. I burned up three motors in that Volkswagen Beetle. I was busy. You weren't alone. Yeah, I weren't alone. <laughs> uh, and I said, yeah, yeah. I thought about, well, do you have anybody in mind? And of course, I was already thinking about this little Texan, uh, but I went about to show my cards. I said, uh, no, I lied. And he said, well. Uh, that little Texan that you brought home over Thanksgiving, I would, I, I, I'd think about her if I were you. And uh, four, uh, uh, five weeks later, the first week of February, uh, we were engaged. So uh, uh, Daddy gave me some good advice. Only conversa first conversation and the really only true conversation I remember having with my dad. Question number two I want you to consider is number two on your list there. What three things would you tell a young man to do to find wisdom? Now write that down. A young man, maybe your own son, maybe uh, a young guy that's employed by you, an intern. What three things would you tell a young man to do to find wisdom? What would, what would you say to your own son? And that question implies you need to have that conversation. And I don't care if your son is six years old or 60 years old. We never outgrow our need for the voice of the Father. Never. You are so needed. So what would you tell him? 
And then finally, question number three, what makes you give up or lose heart? You may be discouraged this morning, may be struggling, but what, what typically causes you to just give up? And by implication, I'm actually suggesting broken relationships with your son or your daughter. Um, I feel a lot of pain there. Uh, I see a lot of pain there. But what causes you to give up? Are, are you going to give up? Write that down. And then what I want to invite you to do is just turn to your partner and share any part of uh, what you wrote down um, that you would like to share. Just, just interact over this idea of fathering and being fathered and remembering what your father said or didn't say to you. But uh, interact over that with a friend next to you, and then we'll continue. Gentlemen, let's uh, continue. Gave you a little uh, time to interact. 
in, uh, in my years of working with uh, men, you know, when you get a, a men uh, really being honest and open, um, there's two things that are central uh, to a man's vulnerability. Uh, number one is his relationship with his dad. If a guy's really starting to re uh, tell you who he is and the um, celebration of his life and the pain of his life, he'll talk about his dad. We, we, we need our dads. And then secondly, there's always a girl. There I was, minding my own business, and then there was this girl, you know? And those are the, the, the two parts of our lives that uh, are a blessing and can be a curse uh, to us. But um, I want you to consider this morning, how do we become wise? And the examination of chapters two through four of Proverbs answers that question. Um, again, the first nine chapters of Proverbs is framed as a father talking to a son. And two through four uh, is highly concentrated in just answering that question, how do we become wise? So follow with me as we read just the first eight verses of Proverbs 2, and it's a paradox. So we jump into the paradox. Good friend, take to heart what I'm telling you. Again, see it as if your dad were talking to you. Your dad in his most wise moment, his tender moment, somehow he's had an epiphany and he wants to sit with you and look you in the eye and have the conversation that you probably never had. Collect my counsels and guard them with your life. Tune your ears to the world of wisdom Set your heart on a life of understanding. That's right. If you make insight your priority and won't take no for an answer, searching for it like a prospector panning for gold. Isn't that great imagery? Like searching for buried treasure. Like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Believe me, before you know it, Fear of God will be yours. You'll have come upon the knowledge of God. And then here's the paradox. And here's why. God gives out wisdom free. It's, it's plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. He's a rich mine of common sense for those who live well, a personal bodyguard to the candid and sincere he keeps his eye on all who live honestly and pays special attention to his loyally committed ones. Now the paradox is this. It, wisdom is something to seek and a gift to receive. It's something to seek and a gift to receive. Throw, throw that slide up there, Joe, please. Something to seek and a gift to receive. So it's something that we need to be intentional and deliberate about. In other words, that you're reading through Proverbs. As I said when we began the, the uh, uh, series, I would read the day uh, of the month proverb. Uh, today's the 8th of February. So today you read the 8th proverb. And, and over the next 12 months as we go through Proverbs, uh, 
in this year, you will have read through Proverbs 12 times, you know? Um, but get wisdom in your heart. Seek it. Be intentional and deliberate. And then at the same time, the paradox is God gives it freely. It's exactly like our salvation according to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Jeff, if you'll throw that up there, I'll read it off the screen. Philippians 2, uh, 2 12 and 13. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. So again, we are to work out our salvation, and yet, at the same time, it is God who works in us to fulfill our salvation. It's a paradox. You're involved, and he's involved. It's all God, and it's all you, kind of. You know, as, as I learned from R.C. Sproul, as a, a good theologian covers his, uh, himself by saying, in a certain sense. In a certain sense, it's all about you. And in a certain sense, it's all about God. It's that heads and tails are the same coin. You are to be engaged. I'm to be in, in, engaged. And yet, it's God who's doing the work all along. We have an assurance and an, an incentive in how to become wise. The paradox... Um, of wisdom, if it was up to us, we would labor under crushing anxiety and burnout. Would we not? We, we would be on performance if it was just about us. And if you're feeling exhausted by serving God, you're on performance. Guys, I, I, I am humbled and excited to tell you that I celebrated my 71st birthday on Tuesday. How about that? And, and, you know, I thought I would be more mature by now. You know? I thought I'd be a lot wiser. But I feel like a 30-year-old. Now, I may drop dead in the parking lot at going out of here uh, this, uh, this morning. I don't know how many days I have. But the way I feel is I feel like a kid, and I'm so grateful uh, for that. And, and truly, I've got so much that I need to learn about walking with God, but I could not do uh, what I do if I was living on performance or trying to do it in my own power. You know, one of the first principles that I learned when I became a Christian was the principle of how to walk by faith. It was a concept that uh, Campus Crusade was teaching, how to walk by faith. I trust God as best I know how. Not, not perfectly, not by any means, but I couldn't do what I do. I, I, I get asked, how do you keep driving from Fairhope? And how do you keep up the schedule that, that, that you keep up? In June, I will have been driving up here every week for 10 years. It's hard to believe that I've been in Fairhope for 10 years. Crazy. And guys, honestly, it is by the grace and power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't take credit for that. I'm, I'm stupid as a left-handed soup sandwich, you know? 
but it is the power of Christ that works in me. Uh, and I'm empowered, and I write in my journal consistently, so grateful, be faithful. So grateful, be faithful. So grateful, be faithful. He empowers me. If God only worked apart from us, we would lose initiative. The paradox gives us enough incentive and enough assurance to pursue the knowledge of God all our life long. Wisdom. It's like a father talking to a son. I want to show you a powerful um, uh, picture. Again, we are men and we are visual. And uh, this is out of a movie. I did a whole series on this uh, early on when we were upstairs. Jeff, you remember that? This movie is Life is a House. It's, it's a classic. And George is the main character played by uh, Kevin Klein. And uh, the, uh, George is in a dilapidated old house, and the house represents his life. As his house is, so his life is. Life as a house. And so George has a heart attack. His heart attacks him, and he falls on the sidewalk. And he's in the hospital, and when he comes to, he realizes, he comes to his senses. He's like the prodigal son come home. And he's in the hospital, and sometimes it takes that kind of experience uh, for us to realize that we need to get our act together. Our days are limited. And so he gets out of the hospital, and he's now going to rebuild his life. He's come to Jesus, to put it in Christian terms. He's had a salvation experience. And so he starts working on his house. And so as he starts improving his house, he's working on his life. It's a metaphor. House, life, life, house. And one of the primary relationships that he knows he must rebuild is his relationship with his son, Sam. Now, in the movie, and I want you to watch the movie, um, when we first meet Sam, Sam is hanging himself in the closet. Oh, wow. Welcome to Sam's world, you know? Uh, now, it's just a way to get high. He's kind of like uh, passing out. He's not trying to kill himself. He's just doing this crazy drug tactic to hyperventilate and uh, have this experience with a belt wrapped around the rod in the closet. Welcome to Sam's world. He's lost as a goose. And so George knows that he wants to rebuild his life with his Sam, uh, and, uh, with Sam, and, and of course he, he's divorced, Sam's living with his mother, and so George invites Sam to come and live with him during the summer while he's rebuilding the house. So here's this, uh, just a brief scene between George and Sam. You look like lately, you know? You're looking better than ever. You know, I don't think Mom cares that much that Peter left. She seemed upset. What's wrong with your back? I mean... You have to have surgery on it or what? Because those pills that you're taking are for a lot of pain. And you seem to be going through them pretty quick, that's all. 
You're not still taking any, are you? No. No, but I count them. And a sock isn't exactly new, you know. I'm having a problem with cancer. I don't know. I don't know what that means. What kind of a problem? The kind where there isn't any answer. I still don't know what it means. Sam, I wanted us to, you know, spend a few months together here. Sometimes things happen for a reason, you know, something bad to force something good. So you're dying. And you told mom today. You. Okay. You knew you were dying from the start? We're all dying from the start. I just got moved to the head of the line. But you lied to me. I would have lied to myself if I thought I'd believe it. So this whole thing, this whole summer having me here was for your sake. You selfish Having me here trying to get me to like you? I wasn't trying to get you to like me. I was trying to get you to love me. Well, congratulations. Because you pulled it off. Mm. Wow. Powerful picture of two generations trying to come together. Two rivers trying to merge. You know, Sam sees what George is up to as something just selfish. It's all about George. George is trying to reconcile with his son. I mean, that's the story of all of our lives, right? I mean, there was a time in my life that I was so angry with my dad. It took me until I was 43 years old with two graduate degrees and lots of counseling behind me uh, to realize that he was such a much better dad to me than his dad was to him. And I forgave him and my anger was dissolved uh, in forgiveness. It's powerful, gentlemen. That's, you know, obviously we did a whole series on the father-son relationship. George and Sam. Sam and George. So what do you tell a son in order to become wise? Proverbs gives us the answer to that. And in between chapter two and four, there are 10 guidelines. And they're on your handout. Did it go out again, Jeff? 
um, there on your handout are the passages of Scripture that you can look through. We don't have time to go through all the Scripture, but I'll just uh, hit the ten guidelines um, quickly. Be righteous. And the idea of righteousness is not like being good. Uh, it's not like being uh, the Saturday Night Live church lady. Don't teach your son to be the Saturday Night Live church lady. That's not what righteousness is. The idea of the Hebrew righteousness means to love your neighbor. It's a relational concept. Be righteous means to be connected to another brother. Uh, it is love your neighbor care for somebody else, get out of your narcissism. That's what be righteous means. Don't rely on your pedigree, or in other words, don't just rely on your family name. You know, I'm a third generation PK or whatever. You know, my daddy was a preacher, my, dan my granddaddy was a preacher, and so I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Not based on that, you know. It's a one-to-one -one relationship with Jesus. It's not uh, grading on the curve or it's not because of your last name. Get experience, get experience. Get out there, get engaged. That's what you teach your son. Don't delay, uh, do not hesitate. Uh, don't be a turtle. You've got to get out there and risk. Identify your idols, and that's, that's where you've got to identify your addiction. Um, what is it that you're using? Guys, I'm telling you, man, this whole, uh, and Ron and I talk about it, Ron talks about it more than I talk about it, uh, uh, Ron deals with this much more than I do. This whole pornography thing makes cancer look like a head cold. I mean, young men, I, I had um, two 24-year-old young married men in my office in Fairhope this week, and their marriages are in jeopardy of falling apart uh, because of pornography. 24 years old, been married two years. Sad. Identify your idols. What is robbing you of your life? Submit to it to his word. Get in the word. Get in the word. One of our young guys uh, that I love dearly and see him as a son came out of leadership weekend and um, he said, I'm going to get in the word. I know I need to get into the word. What can I do? And Roan and Trey and Ben and I were on an email uh, or a text, and we were giving him uh, suggestions that had helped us. And he ordered the book, uh, Henrietta Mears' book, What the Bible is All About. It is the most read, most studied book in all of my spiritual journey. I love that book. It gives us a, a synopsis of every book in the Bible and shows how Jesus is shown in every book in the Bible. Great summary of the Bible. What the Bible is All About by Henrietta Mears. Be teachable. Um, you know, be willing to receive feedback is the language that we use in, in um, uh, our uh, deer camps. Be generous. Be a giver. Learn from adversity. Learn from your mistakes and do justice. And again, justice is a relational term. When the Bible says justice, it's really about sharing with your neighbor. Injustice means you're selfish and you're closed off. Justice is not just a moral term, it's a relational term. So this is what you share with your son. These 10 guidelines according to Proverbs. 
according to the wisdom of the father of Proverbs. So turn over to Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll finish with this. And the, and the beginning of this whole passage is the idea of the paradox that I need to work hard and I need to just simply receive. God does it, and I need to work it out. And then finally, uh, the other bookend of this is just get it. Just get it. Verse 3, when I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother, he would sit me down and drill me, take this to heart, do what I tell him, and again, wouldn't it be great if you and I could spend the rest of the day telling the stories of the number of times that our dad set us down and had those intimate conversations? I used to take my girls uh, to Saturday morning breakfast at Waffle House or Cracker Barrel or something. I miss those days. Just intimate times with your kids. And those of you who have little ones, whether they're, they're grandkids or your kids, you need to be eye-to-eye, face-to-face, hanging out with them. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. In other words, just get it. Just get it. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. She'll festoon your days with beauty. Cannot live without beauty. The beauty of wisdom. So gentlemen, how do you get wisdom? You pursue it intentionally and deliberately. And you bend your knees and receive it. It's a paradox. You work for it, and God does all the work for you. It's a paradox. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the time you've given us this morning. Um, Thank you so much, Lord, uh, that you pursue us and that you then invite us to pursue you. Help us to understand uh, that intentionality and that dynamic Um, change our hearts for the sake of honor and glory to you and for the sake of all those that come in contact with us even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, gentlemen.